and welcome to Rooted, where we discuss what we believe and why we believe it. On today's episode, we continue our discussion on the authority of Scripture. Today's episode is the second part in a two-part discussion, so make sure, if you haven't already, to check out the first part in episode five. All right, without further ado, this is Rooted. Argument number three. Let's keep it moving here. The Bible's descriptions of nature and natural history are hopelessly at odds with science. Now, I don't think we have to spend a lot of time on this because we've talked about it in person at Rooted. We've talked about it. This is sprinkled across a lot of what we do with this whole apologetics thing. Um, But just real quick, someone comes to you and says, the Bible teaches bad science. What do you say to them? You're right. (laughs) It's not a science book. All right. Yeah. You're right. It's it's not a science book. Okay. You know, the world isn't fixed upon its foundation. It does revolve around the sun. The right. earth isn't flat. It is round. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you want to talk about the creation story and the mm. creation of the earth. Yeah. And the creation of the universe, for that matter. Yeah, we can look at stars in the night sky and say, these stars are, you know, five billion light years away. Right. Right. And if they're five billion light years away, that must have meant that the universe has been around for 5 billion years because if the universe is only 6,000 6, years old, how on, how on earth did those stars have time for that light to get from there to here right. so that we can see them? And the point is, the creation story, I think God did create the earth and the universe and everything yeah. in it. Everything that we can see, touch, uh, taste, hear, smell. God created it all. Everything. Everything is dependent on God. Right. And God did not come from anything. But as far as how he made it all, that still, I think, that seems reasonable to leave up to debate. Yeah. No, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that God did use the Big Bang Theory to create the universe. Yeah. In fact, when you look at everything that needed to be present during the Big Bang Theory, it's almost incredible to believe that it's not a miracle Mm, because certain things had to be in place certain uh laws and um constants scientific constants had to be met in order for existence to come about in the first place right and if any of these constants are even a fraction off then the universe would have expanded too quickly and would have uh just kind of fallen apart and raveled apart like a wet paper towel yeah or it would have been too slow and it would have just collapsed back in on itself. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. And and you raise a very good point. I mean, it's not a science book. Um, there probably are some parts that have some decent science in it. Maybe. Maybe. There's parts that have bad science in it, but it's not a science book. I think a, an example that gets used a lot is a grocery list is not a recipe. Mm-hmm. So when you try to use a grocery list like a recipe – all you're going to have is just a bowl full of ingredients that you've done nothing with. Um, it, you know, let's say you have your grocery list for you're going to bake a cake. You made a list of the ingredients you need, right? So you've got your eggs, you've got your flour, you've got your chocolate, you've got your icing. Well, a grocery list is just going to tell you what you need, not what to do with it. Now, a recipe is going to tell you what to do with those actual items and it's going to give you the end product of a cake. So when we try to use something for what it's not intended for, you're right. You're you're not going to have good science out of a book that's not a science book. You're not going to be able to make a cake with a grocery list. 
you know, you might be able to take that grocery list and kind of infer, okay, I probably need to mix, mix the wet ingredients and the dry ingredients. And I know I have to heat these ingredients for them to turn into a cake, but without the actual recipe and the proportions, it's not going to turn out right. So you can take the Bible and you can kind of contort the creation story, or you can contort the Proverbs and the Psalms to try and get science out of it. But like you said, you're going to get bad science. Yeah. You know, you're going to get things that, that I can walk outside and say, that's just not true. Now that doesn't mean the Bible's not true. That just means that's not the Bible's intent. Exactly. So, all right. I think we've beat that dead horse long enough. So let's move on to number four. The Bible was written. Now this, this is one that I think you and I are both probably pretty passionate about. The Bible was written by ancient and primitive people and has no value to modern people anymore. Is that true, Connor? No. Okay. Why? Well, let's keep in mind the Bible was written about 2,000 years ago. Okay. It's a long time. Yeah. About 2,500 years before the Bible was written, people built the pyramids. Mm. And we can say that they were primitive, but to build that pyramid to the, <laughs> those exact specifications. Yeah, that, that's pretty – It's go read about the pyramids. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. And, and it's perfectly reasonable to know why people have certain uh, conspiracy theories about the pyramids. But if they did that – 4,500 years ago. Right. Then it's to say that the people writing the Bible were primitive people or cavemen. Yeah. That's so insulting. Right. Now, even if the gospels weren't written by the people who bear their names, Mm. let's just say that they were. Okay. So say Matthew, right? He was a tax collector. And what do we know about tax collectors? People didn't like them. People didn't like them. And why didn't they like them? They thought they were traitors because they were working for the Romans. Exactly. They were working for the Romans, but they were Jewish by birth. So they would have needed to know Aramaic and at least Greek and Latin. Mm. They needed to know three languages. Yeah. So we know that Matthew had the capability to write the gospel. Right. For Mark, Mark's gospel was really Peter's view on what it was. Mark was um, Peter's scribe. Yeah. So everything that you see in the Gospel of Mark, it was most likely from Peter's point of view, and John Mark's name is just the name that appears on the Gospel. Yeah. Um, and, you know, his job was to be a scribe. Right. And these scribes took years to write these accounts down. And that's a big reason why the Gospel, like the original documents for these mm-hmm. Gospels, don't appear until 30, 40 years after the actual event happened. Right. Say Luke. What was Luke's job? He was a doctor. He was a jo- He was a doctor. He was a physician, right? And physicians hasn't. They've changed a little bit over time, but they were still smart people back then too. <laughs> right. Right. And as for John, well, we don't really know what John did, but the statistic is that nine out of ten people were illiterate. Yeah. And I think that is probably true. That they didn't know how to write. Right. Um, but. I think it's okay to say that John wrote his gospel, even though he wasn't a physician. There was no reason he needed to know different languages or anything like that. Or he at least had a scribe who wrote down what he was saying. Yeah, like Peter. Right. Because Peter was not educated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and you make a really good point about about the pyramids. And and I think the the value thing 
a lot of people will say, oh, well, that was written so long ago. You know, we know so much more about psychology and we know so much more about modern medicine. And, you know, we can kind of give these scientific explanations for the miracles. Like maybe that was good for teaching people morals back then, but we're such a progressive society now, you know, it's outdated. And how do you, how do you speak to somebody who has that kind of view of like, okay, maybe it's good to know not to lie, but man, so much of this stuff is just outdated and they just don't under, you know, it doesn't speak to our culture today. Right. Well, even if you look at the Old Testament and see the ceremonial laws yeah. and the civil laws that God set forth for his people, right? those are still pretty good commands to follow today. One of them says, don't eat bats. Mm. And from the past two years, <laughs> it seems like that was a pretty that good somebody idea. Somebody should have paid attention to that. Yeah. yeah. Um. But that's the thing. you got to take into account historical context. Right. And even when you do that, I think you'll still come away with, yeah, these th- things, yeah, murder is not good for society. You know, right. lying's not good. It's not good that I should covet things or commit adultery or right. anything like that. You know, and to say that it's outdated because it's been so long, I, d- I just don't think that's... A reasonable claim to make. Yeah, I think, you know, and obviously this document is nowhere near as old, but in an American context, the Constitution. Okay, the Constitution is the thing by which all of our laws are measured against. And this is a document that's almost 250 years old, if not older by now. But we still look back to it. Now, some people have issue with it, but, you know, our entire legal system is built off of it. So it definitely has relevance to who we are as a nation. Um, and I think, you know, when we're thinking about the Bible and and the truths that it teach, and, you know, our whole discussion is on the authority of the Bible. If we believe that the Bible is God's word, then it absolutely has relevance for us today. And it absolutely speaks to our situation. I think it's funny that society and the love culture that we're in, right, this word love gets thrown around, you know, love is love, love who you want, love, you know, this entire idea. Okay. Scripture is built around a God who describes himself as love. Mm -hmm. God is love. Christians have been about this love thing way longer. Now we understand that when God says love, it's a completely different meaning than what the world says. It's deeper. It's perfect. um, It has a holiness about it. But I think we could learn a lot about love by looking at scripture and people have for thousands of years and it's still true today. So, yeah. I mean, I've I've been thinking about agape love for the past few days and just kind of what it means to have that kind of love. Right. And I kind of like ask myself this question. If I don't have agape love for everyone, mm-hmm. do I not have agape love at all? Mm. Because we describe agape love as unconditional. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I can really love my fiance a lot and you right. a lot. Um, But... Do I love you guys because you're my friends and fiance? Like, would I still love you even if I didn't know you, mm-hmm. even if you were a stranger? Yeah. Would I still be willing to die for you, basically? Right. That's the kind of uh, what agape love is. Right. It's like, it's, just, it's the love that Jesus had. Yeah. Unconditional and sacrificial. Yeah. And that's the love that Jesus tells us to love our neighbors with, our enemies with, and yeah. our wives with. Yeah. That pretty much covers everybody. <laughs> everybody, yeah. And, and I mean, like you're saying, like, that's that's not a love the world teaches. That's not a love the world has found out yet. But it's in Scripture. So it absolutely has value. 
for for teaching us these things. Um, you know, we can point to the scripture that says that it's it's God breathed and it's valuable for teaching and reproof and instruction and correction. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we could sit here and talk all day about the value of scripture. But last argument. And this is, this is probably the one you and I were reading through this list and we got to this one and went, okay, that one might have the most merit in an actual discussion. Um, but I think we could probably speak to it. Christians can't even agree on what the Bible says. So who cares if it's true or not? So Connor, if I drive to our Madison street campus right next door to it is a Lutheran church, which is funny because that's the exact example that's used in this article. I found it very ironic. Um, we don't agree with everything that they teach. They don't agree with everything that we teach. So why should somebody who is, does not describe themselves as a Christian go into any given church and say, yeah, they have it right. I'm going to believe what they're teaching about the Bible. Why? And, and this is not a denomination debate, but if I can't even agree with the guy that literally works across the street from me, why should anybody who already doesn't believe say, yeah, they're, the book they're reading is good. Yeah. Well, I think it's a thing about interpretation. Yeah. We all have different interpretations. And when I say we all, I don't mean denominations. I mean individuals. Mm, Yeah. We all disagree with what the Bible says in some topic. Right. You're not going to find somebody that doesn't disagree with you at, at least with some minute detail of the Bible. Yeah. You know? And I think what the Christian community has kind of figured out is that, a lot of these beliefs, just they're not worth fighting over. Mm. They're not worth having crusades over, literally. <laughs> yeah, literally, you know? yeah. Um, so with that, it's like, yeah, we, we disagree. Right. But if we agreed with everything, then you, then you wouldn't agree. Right. There's, 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 there's always something that somebody's going to disagree with. Uh, I think kind of to go back to that Constitution example, I mean, you've got – however many Supreme Court justices who are going to rule one way, I mean, most decisions are a 4-5 split nowadays. They're going to say, oh, it means this, oh, it means that. But not a single one of them would say, ah, we just shouldn't even reference the Constitution, right? Because, it, oh, it's outdated, we can't all agree on it, so it, it must not be a valid document. We would all say, oh, yeah, the Constitution is what we should be measuring it against because that's how we've set our system up. It's the same thing with Scripture. Um, just because one denomination or one believer and another believer don't agree on everything doesn't mean that they wouldn't both agree that this is our authority. Now, there are certainly people who are Christians who, or should I say, call themselves Christians, who would say the Bible is not the ultimate authority, which I would say the Holy Spirit and God is the ultimate authority, but he speaks to us through his word, his written word, and it absolutely has authority. But I think we would, we can all agree. We talked about those basic beliefs of a Christian week one. We can all agree that Jesus is God, that Jesus died for our sins, and that he was resurrected, right? We can, at least those that are true believers can agree on those things. And we talked about, you know, baptism, communion, even the way that worship is set up, prayer. Some of those things we, we disagree on, but we still agree on the person of Jesus, who he is, what he did even if we interpret all the excess, the secondary tertiary beliefs in scripture differently. And I think that's what it really boils down to with this whole, this whole conversation is scripture teaches a lot of stuff. 
there's a lot to learn from scripture. This book has been studied for 2000 years and I don't think you'd find a single person who would say, I've got the whole thing figured out. Even people who are very prideful about their knowledge in Scripture would probably not say they've got the whole thing figured out. Um, and what it really boils down to is we, we start with that foundation, which is what Rooted is all about, that foundation of who is Jesus, what did he do, why is it important? And from there we build. And Scripture has to have authority there because without Scripture— we don't even have a foundation. We have no justification for what we believe about Jesus. If I if I say my belief about Jesus is built solely on my life experience, my life experience, I could I could probably come to a conclusion that there's a God, but I could never come to a conclusion about Jesus and who he was and what he did. And so that's why God's word is so important because it shows us who God is and what he did for us. So... That's kind of my last thoughts on this. Connor, do you have any more thoughts on, on biblical authority? Uh, one last question I was going to ask you is, yeah. if people say that the Bible wasn't really formulated until the 16th century, mm, yeah, what would you say to that? Like, What would you say, how would you account for the first three quarters of Christian history if the Bible wasn't fully put together but before 15-whatever? I, I heard a really interesting statement. And I, I can't remember exactly where I heard it. It might have been, you know, Brother Larry. It could have been somewhere else. But you'll find that archaeology, and this is true because, I, I, at least to my understanding, everything I've read from secular and non-secular sources, archaeology has never disproved the Bible. Okay, what is the? why is that relevant to this conversation? We know that in ancient Hebrew history, so we're talking pre-New Testament, there was not a collection of the Torah and the greater writings bound in a leather book like you and I have today, right? right? That was circulated. But the scrolls were read aloud in synagogues and in the temple and in gatherings, and the Hebrews were diligent about memorizing it and what it said, and especially the rabbis and the priests, man, they were diligent about memorizing these things. We come into New Testament culture, and you have a very similar system of these letters circulating around the churches and people memorizing what Paul said, memorizing what the Old Testament said, memorizing what the gospel said. And archaeology has just, we, it feels like every couple of years we find something that's a little bit older, a little bit closer to where we date these documents. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, until the Protestant Reformation, really, and until the printing press, you don't have wide circulation of, of scripture that's bound in a book form that just anybody can pick up and read. We can thank the Catholic Church for a lot of that. So how do we answer that? What do we say? Well, how did Christians get that far? Because they memorized God's word, because God preserved his word. And at the end of the day, you know, I talk about we need scripture to build our foundation of who Jesus is. Absolutely, I believe that. And I absolutely believe that every Christian should be in God's word as often as possible. But God's word, reading, just reading God's word is not what saves us. It's not what makes us a Christian. Believing in who Jesus is and what he did for us, confessing with our mouths. You know, it's the ABCs from VBS, right? Admitting that we're a sinner, believing in who Jesus is and what he did, and then confessing that with our mouths. That's what makes us a Christian and nothing else. And so for hundreds of years, for centuries, for almost the majority of this Christian history, it was an oral tradition. 
that was circulated, not in bound pages, but it was still God's word, right? He started with the apostles that set up the churches. Paul went out, set up the, the churches for the Gentiles. And then from there, it was an oral tradition for a long, long time. We just happened to live in a very blessed time in Christian history that we actually have God's printed word accessible to us. I mean, it's even free. You can go to Bible.com and look up hundreds of translations of scripture. So does that kind of answer your question? Is that kind of where you were going with that? Yeah, that that's question? exactly where I was going. So, so yeah, be encouraged by that, that man, God preserved his word. And man, I wish we could do a whole episode on the archeology span of scripture and how we found different documents and why we have our translations today. But man, dig into that, look into that stuff. And of course, as we, we always say, don't just take what we say for granted. Do your own research. I'm going to link the article that we talked about today. Go read that article for yourself. Ask those questions. Man, look into it. Look into scripture. You know, always be skeptical, a healthy amount of skeptical. So anything else you got? Nope, that's it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we're going to continue our series in TikTok theology next week when we talk about God's judgment. We kind of hit on it a little bit this week, but we're going to go deeper into God's judgment, sin. What does that mean for us? What does that mean uh, for people that aren't Christians? And we're going to really dig into that. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you leave a rating. Connor and I will be here next week. Love you guys. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating so that more people can learn about our show. To be a part of the discussion, make sure to follow us on social at at HBC Encounter. Make sure to come back next week when we're going to continue our series in TikTok theology. To learn more about our ministry and things going on at Hilldale, make sure to check out yourhbc.info. All right, thanks again, and we'll see you next time.